Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Stephen Overly. Over in the other Washington, Senate Commerce Chair Maria Cantwell offered a preview of her AI priorities for when Congress returns. Campbell said that D.C. should not hold AI companies back. Remember, her state is home to Amazon and Microsoft. But she said that some guardrails must be in place. She wants a stop button for when AI is used in banks, hospitals, transportation systems, and other critical infrastructure. She wants rules for detecting and warning people about deceptive deepfakes. And she wants an AI workforce training initiative on par with the GI Bill after World War II. On yesterday's show, you heard from a former tech executive who argues that companies can't be trusted to control advanced artificial intelligence. Today, an executive from perhaps the largest company in AI tells me why he thinks they can. It's Kent Walker, K-E-N-T-W-A-L-K-E-R. Kent Walker is the president of global affairs and chief legal officer at Google. He reports directly to Sundar Pichai. And his fingerprints, you'll find them on all of the internet giant's policy and legal battles. That includes AI. Last month, Walker was at the White House with leaders from six other AI companies that volunteered to follow certain safety protocols when developing AI. The non-binding commitments were the kind of light-touch regulation that Google and other companies want. And Walker is certainly a fan. But with the White House and Congress under pressure to go further... Walker's urging a cautious approach. Here's our conversation. You know, one of the um, commitments that caught my eye was, you know, the use of measures like watermarking to kind of identify content that's AI generated, just from my own personal experience. You know, that that's something uh, as I'm on the internet, I'm I'm often questioning and encountering. How does that actually work in practice with product like Google Search or YouTube? actually making AI more transparent for internet users? It's a major area of research. We're trying to work on notions of watermarking and providence, being able to recognize whether something has been generated by AI or not. But it's important to realize that we've been doing this work and work like it for many years. Most people have been using AI for a dozen years, maybe without realizing it. If you use Google Search or Maps or Translate, you've been using AI. We've used AI to actually increase the quality of content on our platforms. A platform like YouTube has used AI to dramatically increase our ability to detect disinformation, misinformation, et cetera, and raise the quality of the content on the service. So this continues to be an area of research. Uh, as you see more generative AI-created imagery and, and material on the web, we're going to need to get even better at being able to identify it and block it when it's deceptive or disinformation or material like that. And is there a timetable for rolling out something like that? It's a complex area with lots of research that's going on in different areas. So we have said that we will be watermarking the content that is created on our services, but the harder challenge is to be able to identify whether any other content has been created using generative AI or other tools. And it's going to vary based on the different kinds of content we're talking about, audio, visual, or, or text content, how long the material is, et cetera. So we want to make sure that we can do this robustly and carefully. And the key point is to make sure we're avoiding deception, people being misled by content on, on the internet in a way that's you know, potentially very different than we've seen before. 
But again, we go back to our long years of experience identifying misinformation, disinformation, and other kinds of manipulated media that have been used to deceive. You can use you know, Photoshop to misleadingly crop a video. You can slow something down uh, in a way that makes somebody uh, look like they're saying something in a way that's different than they were really saying it. So we're building on all of that expertise in the work we're already doing, and we'll hope to be able to make progress as soon as the science advances. And in terms of transparency, you know, there part of the commitments are for companies like Google and Microsoft and, and everyone, you know, the, the seven that have signed on here to be more forthcoming or transparent about their AI systems and, and potential issues with them. What does that look like? You know, is there information that Google will be sharing now that it might not have been sharing before about how its systems work or potential risks that they pose? A lot of the work in this space will be around the exchange of safety-oriented research uh, and best practices when it comes to some of these frontier language models as, that are developing more advanced capabilities. So we're in early days here, but we're hoping to be able to uh, share that material in a way that helps people throughout the ecosystem uh, learn more about how to make sure we're maximizing the benefits and, and minimizing misuse and, and other risks of the tools. Well, as you said, this is early days, and you know the, the White House has said this is sort of an initial step um, in, in how they're thinking about regulating AI and, and coming up with some rules around responsible AI. They have mentioned an executive order that is in the works, though they haven't said what exactly that is. I mean, wh what would you like to see from that executive order, from that next step that the administration takes beyond these voluntary measures you've already agreed to? There's a lot to be done yeah, in this space. I think we all need to work on questions like uh, what is the, the future of work and how do we make sure we're providing training and digital skilling uh, for people as uh, jobs evolve. Uh, we think in many ways this will make American workers more productive and uh, better at, the, uh, at providing a, a whole range of new services. But to make sure people can have the flexibility in the workforce to be able to learn how to use the tools well is going to require training beyond what any one company can, can deliver. We also need to progress academic collaborations. There's an awful lot of great work going on in universities across the country uh, that has helped make America at the, the forefront of science and technology. We'd love to double down on that and see if there's more opportunity to collaborate. And how does that... Um how does that engagement from industry or from from Google specifically look in terms of the Hill? I mean, are there lawmakers that you're particularly engaged with, whether that's Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's Senate endeavors on AI or some of these House bills that are are now percolating? We've been engaged with a number of, of members on both sides of the aisle in, in Congress, and we're actually quite pleased at the way Congress is approaching this. There getting up to speed. They're taking their time to do review sessions. Uh, Senator Schumer is working in a bipartisan way in the Senate. There's a bipartisan bill in the House that involves the creation of a Blue Ribbon Commission to look at the issues here. So out of that process, I think you'll get a, a thoughtful and balanced set of regulatory recommendations. Some of them may be comprehensive. Some of them may be more targeted and focused. But I, I think we can be proud of the way Congress is, is looking at this, taking it seriously, recognizing that it is a big, important, and new area, and there's a lot for all of us to learn. Are there particular bills that you think have a lot of promise or, or that you are really would like to see kind of get moved uh, ahead? 
I wouldn't want to jump the gun on, on the process that is unfolding right now in Congress. It's precisely the point of the, the hearings and the reviews to identify the right balances and trade-offs here, um, because there are hard questions between openness and security, for example, uh, that we'll collectively need to resolve. But I think the federal government can play a role in uh, adopting AI itself, modeling how to do that in a good way. Uh, and if there are opportunities to do that, and some of the bills out there would suggest that, I think that would be a great step. Uh, we also are working on uh, new forms of transparency. You know, how do we do as much as we can to explain to people when they're seeing AI-generated content and the basis for that? Now, that's a, another hard research problem that we are developing work on, but it's an area where we can work with government. As Washington is going about, like, wrapping its head around artificial intelligence, I mean, are there questions that you don't hear being asked that should be asked? Oh, I, I think it's again, at a stage where people are just wrestling with the emerging capabilities of these new tools. Uh, and so it's not that we are, um, you know, have a, have a known thing and we're trying to figure out how to regulate it. The technology is evolving as the regulatory frameworks are evolving. Uh, and so that's, a, that's an unusual environment for us. And I think it's, you know, on all sides, you want to be thoughtful and conscious about how you're striking those balances. So it's less a question of you know, the individuals, that's a risk that people are focused on. And there are a number from uh, mis and disinformation to avoiding bias and, and discrimination to uh, making, thinking through the future of work, to think about the national security and cybersecurity implications of these tools. There's been a lot of attention to a variety of those topics. And that's one of the reasons why I feel optimistic that we're in a good place to get this right. People are asking the right questions, and they're asking them fairly early in the development of this new stage of the technology. Well, I guess that's the thing is, you know, there's this perception, and frankly, I think it is reality, that on tech, Washington is sort of consistently behind, you know, the innovation, that regulation struggles to keep pace. And, uh, you know, there are some who say that benefits tech companies, that benefits companies like Google. I mean, does that apply here in the AI kind of conversation as well? Or do you feel it's actually different from some of these past, you know, waves of, of tech development? Yeah, well, I, I think there has been a lot of political government focus on these technologies at a relatively early stage. Uh, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. It does help us uh, build understanding uh, of the, the pros and cons and the trade-offs here. So our job is to share the benefits of our experience, to bring us our, our engineers, to talk about what's, what's possible. And if we get that right, that creates a lasting and consistent framework, and ideally one that's consistent across different countries. So one of the things that the United States can do is advocate for a framework that is a public-private partnership on a lot of this work. Uh, if we do that and align with, with Europe and democracies around the world, then I think we're all better off. Do you think Europe would sign on to a public-private model of regulating AI? There have been elements over in Europe where there are uh, codes of conduct on hate speech or terrorism, uh, which aren't legislation, but are places where companies have come together in a voluntary way uh, and agreed with senior members of the European Commission on a framework. So there is some precedent for, for working in this way. And we're hoping that the Transatlantic Trade and Technology Council can be a vehicle for an uh, exchange of views and ideas and continue to make progress as was recently done with the data protection framework that was agreed to between Europe and the United States. There are some who say that you can't really have responsibility without accountability, right? Some sort of enforcement mechanism, legal mechanism to ensure that companies kind of actually uphold their their end of these commitments or just commitments in general to to safety and trust. 
what is the kind of accountability or the you know that a company like Google is comfortable with or, or wants to see actually be put into place as part of these regulations? Yeah, so to be clear, uh, we're not waiting for regulation to to act. We have been working in these areas for many years. We had a machine learning fairness team in 2014. We put out our AI, AI principles in 2018. We continue to do red teaming and adversarial reviews of models that we're bringing to the public. So there is already an awful lot going on. Our hope is that this set of, of principles can be the framework for what may ultimately be a, a legislative uh, or a regulatory uh, arrangement. But think of it in a sense like the good housekeeping seal of approval or an underwriter's laboratory certification. You set a benchmark as to what uh, appropriate good practices are, and you can build on that. And, and I think there's an awful lot we can do in that framework. And then ultimately, when it does come to regulation or legislation, we need to be very case by case and focus on the different issues in different sectors. The issues in healthcare are going to be different than the issues in financial services and different the, from the issues in transportation. So with a, a hub-and-spoke model where you have existing regulators looking in these different areas and establishing, uh, based on their expertise and their decades of experience, the appropriate rules for liability and the appropriate sets of, of best practices, I think that's ultimately the right path to a strong model here. If these AI systems that Google and other are developing do lead to harms or, or they are misused, what culpability or, or legal responsibility does Google have there? Because I, I guess the, you know, we, we talk about with online content, for instance, right? Internet companies have legal protections that have allowed them to grow, but that they've also defended very aggressively in court. Do those same legal protections need to apply to AI? I think it's unclear at this early stage in the technologies used with regard to generative AI tools. Uh, and the answer is probably going to differ in different settings based on uh, the, the riskiness and the nature of the, the application, how much different providers knew about how the tools were going to be used by a third party, et cetera, and what kind of contractual provisions were in place to limit misuse uh, of the tools. And technologically, could you have stopped people from, from misusing the tools in different ways? So I think there's a lot still to be developed here. The, the technology the, on generative AI and large language models is relatively new, even if AI itself is not. And the law is still going to be evolving over time. I think we are going to be able to get to a case-by-case -case reasonable allocation of rights and duties in each of these different areas. But I do think it's important to start with the facts on the ground. How are the tools being created? How are they being used? What, who should have been uh, responsible? What's the benchmark for good practice? And you know, if you didn't live up to those benchmarks, were you negligent or you know, who's, who's at fault? And how do we allocate responsibility in a way that ultimately leads to incentives for making the best possible products and, making, uh, and deterring misuse? Well, Ken, as you know, Washington continues to grapple with this, I wonder what, in your mind, what's the big concern or the place where Washington could just really go off the rails that could harm kind of the innovation around AI that companies like Google are trying to pursue? It is a, a remarkable moment. In some ways, it's a triumph for American ingenuity uh, that we have been able to lead the world in a lot of these, these technologies. So in in some ways, our system of encouraging private sector innovation has really paid significant benefits. But we need to make sure now, as we're looking at potential social impacts of the kinds we've talked about, that we have reasonable guardrails. Some of them, again, are going to come from the companies themselves, some from the industry, some from government. I think you want to be 
thoughtful. You want to measure twice, cut once uh, before you adopt new laws that would restrict innovation. But, you know, at the same time, there are legitimate concerns out there. So I don't think anybody in the sector is arguing for a regulation-free zone. We want to have good regulation. We have said for years that AI is too important not to regulate and too important not to regulate well. And that's why we're leaning into these processes. Excellent. Well, Kent, I really appreciate you uh, joining us on Politico Tech and walking through all this. Stephen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. That's all for Politico Tech today. For more technology news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overley, and I'll see you back here again tomorrow.